Welcome to Wingtorn. This is a story of a young man with an oath to avenge his parents, a young woman hiding secrets in her blood, and the intertwining fates of three on a mission to prevent all-out war between humans and the Fae. Because what fell before will rise again. This is a fantasy serial podcast. Written and performed by Claire C. Marshall. Book 3, Arrest. Chapter 8, Fingal. Fifteen years ago. Kentana's residence in Lertzkra was not just a freestanding house, but a massive villa on the outskirts of the maritime isle town. The villa had two stories and a pair of towering spires, which appeared to have been a recent addition, jutting into the open skies. At first sight, the towers appeared to be the perfect opportunity to scout the surrounding forests and Lertzkra itself, just a stone's throw down the winding road. Unfortunately, Afrin, the young man in Kentina's employ, promptly escorted them from the carriage and guided them through the anxious house staff who had greeted them and into a confusing maze of corridors. They whizzed by relics displayed like museum pieces in overstuffed rooms and curtained off corners so laden with dust, Fingal was certain the staff had forgotten the corner existed. Fingal tried to figure out where they were headed in relation to these towers, but he failed to orient himself in the vastness of the building as Afrin led them to the guest rooms. The guest room appointed for Fingal and Riona was nearly as long and as large as the entire Dunma residence in Ashdown. Unlike the hospital and the Dunma residence, this older villa on the outskirts of Lertzkra had long glass slats for windows, which was common in the pre-war era when tensions between humans and the Fae had been at an all-time high. The slats ran across the length of the room, creating long bars of light across the two canopied beds, the antique dressers and nightstands, and the well-worn but stylish rugs covering the dark wooden floors. Dark ceilinged floor curtains waited to be slid across the slats for privacy, which Fingal would have done if they didn't require the light for choosing their attire. Unfortunately, Riona couldn't participate in the fitting experience, as Afrin had also remained to help Fingal and Brendan choose appropriate outfits for their new positions. In fact, the racks of outfits had been waiting in the guest room when they'd arrived, much to Afrin's delight. Kentina had thought of everything. Instead of trying on clothing, young Riona entertained herself by counting every slatted window in the room under her breath. We should be back at the hospital, starting our jobs. Not that I'm complaining. Brendan held a bright green tunic against his chest. I've, I've never seen such splendid coloring. This shirt must cost a fortune. Brendan's delight made Fingal feel lighter than he had in days. 
despite the weight of Riona's secret on both their shoulders and the part of it he kept from Brendan. We appreciate your father's hospitality, Brendan added quickly to Afrin. Blanching, the young man spoke so quickly he nearly fell over himself. Forgive me, Mr. Dorr, but Mr. Cantona is not my father. I, I work for his family. Oh, oh, sorry, Brendan said, his face reddening. I just thought, since you were so well-dressed. No, no, said Afrin dismissively, rehanging the shirt Brendan had been admiring. We are related, but not close enough that it would matter to an outsider. My family branches from the interior of the Isle, less distinguished. I'm well-dressed because I'm paid fairly, and because it's important to the Cantona family that we present professionally to the guests. Seeing Brendan's interest, the young man continued in a conspiratorial whisper. Mr. Kenton does sometimes take me along to the meetings as his son, if his children are indisposed, to be a, an extra set of eyes and ears. And are you doing that now? Fingal asked with quiet amusement. Afrin rewarded Fingal's observation with a kind smile. Brendan continued, Where are Kentona's children? How are they currently, uh, indisposed? Off at the other villa in Dorchmay, I suspect, Ephraim replied, as he finished hanging the rejected shirts. If you don't want these, that's fine. There are a few other racks to see yet. How many racks are there? Fingal asked, not wanting to sound ungrateful. Oh, two or three more. One for the young miss, of course, when she's ready. Riona looked at the rows of clothes and turned up her nose. I only want the dress I saw in the window. Afrin smiled at her and wheeled the rack to the door. I'll see if the other racks have arrived yet. Another villa? Brendan said, astonished, once the door was closed and Afrin was some distance away. I could barely believe when we pulled up to this villa, the size of it. And the number of people who came to greet us? The amount of money it costs to employ all those people. Do they all live here? How could you possibly have two villas? Fingal had also been doing the math. While not overly familiar with islander settlements, if he remembered correctly, Dorchmay, or Dorchem, as non-islanders called it, was on the opposite side of the draw-titched isle. If Avrin works for Kentina, and Kentina manages the Dunma affairs, what do you think the Dunma's wealth and influence must be? Fingal replied. That means we're already rich, and this is just extra. Uh, but, but don't worry, Nora will provide for us, Brendan said, ribbing Fingal playfully. Does that mean we get to stay here forever? Riona asked. If this job works out, then potentially, Fingal replied. He had no intention of relying on his friendship to Brendan and Nora to provide for him and the girl, even if the two of them were the closest thing he had to family. It would take a while for him to scrape together the Ergid to afford his own parcel of land. Ideally far enough away from Lertzkra that the girl could live openly, but close enough that the journey to town for supplies wouldn't be a hassle. Brendan's voice cut through Fingal's fantasy of building a log cabin in the woods. 
You think she's going to be safe here on the Isle? Where Faye can roam in neutral territory? Better than the continent, where Captain Stovall would send her to the Tower for dissection. Sending her to the Tower is a good idea, with what that stunt she pulled in Ashdown. Fingal didn't know the first thing about admitting a child to the Tower for magical training, or when it was the right time to do so. Not that that was in the realm of possibility for the girl. Clothing, a sturdy house, reliable employment, and now a private magic tutor. The costs of a stable life had mounted into a staircase too high for Fingal to safely climb. I don't want to go to the tower, she declared. I want to stay here. See, Fingal said, pleased the girl's selfish impulses had aligned with his desires for once. We'll figure out how to make it work here. Brandon shook his head. I'm for staying in this villa, but I don't know about this whole Fae business. There's something not quite... Footsteps, Riona said in a bored tone. Brendan started to object, but a full five seconds later, both young men heard them too. Still, Fingal was surprised when the knock came. A, a moment he replied, taking pains to ensure Riona's wings were covered. All right. The door opened. Kenshina stepped in briskly. He had changed his attire. Gone was the blue and white sashes of his medical profession, the muddy gray button-up shirt and black jacket. Now he wore a dark navy suit with a long tail over a crisp red button-up shirt. His hair had been freshly slicked back, and even his beard had been trimmed. The rich had too much time on their hands if they were able to change their attire more than once per day, especially if this was all for their benefit, Fingal thought bitterly. I apologize for the intrusion, though it's urgent. He closed the door gingerly behind him, and Finkel noticed how his rings, several on each hand, gleamed in the afternoon sun as he held up a thin piece of paper. I have received word from our fey friends with regards to the little incident in the hospital. Word? Finkel asked. Yes, they've continued communicating by letter. Not uncommon with these fake courtly types, I suspect, Kentana said. They have, in fact, apologized for their poor attempt at espionage. They even admitted to sending the fay boy to our window. He sounded amused as he toyed with the paper. A curious strategy, though now that it has failed, they want to meet in person to discuss the trade. So we'll choose a secluded location outside of town. Brendan and I will hide and get the drop on them, Fingal guessed. No, Kentana said pointedly. Again, he seemed curiously amused. I've invited them to the villa for dinner this evening. But that's so soon, Brendan exclaimed. Is it safe to do that? And is that even possible? What about your patience? Fingal asked simultaneously. 
Cantona took their questions with the patience of an experienced military commander dealing with an enemy onslaught. Your objective has changed. No doubt the Fae are still watching the hospital. Putting guards there will be a sign of weakness and fear. After their embarrassing blunder with the Fae child in the window, they will not try a direct attack. Or, that is my suspicion on such things. He scrunched up his lips as if having second thoughts, and then nodded, recommitting. Now we play a more courtly game, one where they have the decided advantage, but the disadvantage of being in foreign territory. That is why the two of you will attend the dinner with me downstairs. I want the fair to see you both in this context. My staff have been notified and will be preparing feast, so we may negotiate with these fae in a civilized manner. We must all be present at the table and show our best faces. It's not just about my fae patience now. If we make the right impression on them, intimate that on no uncertain terms will we waver our resolve... Perhaps they will leave on their own volition. I'm, I'm a great negotiator, Mr. Cantona, said Brendan earnestly. This earned a smile. I, I'm sure, but if you don't mind, I will take the lead. Any missteps and they will dangle you by the ankles over a cliff. Metaphorically speaking, or possibly... Physically speaking, if we aren't careful, this is not the continent. We don't have imperials looming over every street corner. There's only us here. Fingal remained unconvinced. Respectfully, that is always how it's been for us. And I've seldom seen the Fae give up once they've set their mind to a potentially bloody task. And do you expect this conflict to turn bloody? Kentina asked. Frankly, that says more about you than it does them. Fingal felt his face flush. I assume the worst, and I'm still alive, aren't I? Hmm, Kentina said. Just leave this one to me, for now. Or I'll take that under advisement. He crossed his arms thoughtfully and regarded Riona, who now thumbed clothing hanging low on the racks. That was very quick of you to spot the face spy. Darting her gaze swiftly between Fingal and Kentina, she smiled at the islander politely. I know. And how exactly did you come to travel with these two brigadiers? We found her on Liberation Day in the capital, Fingal replied evenly. He had rehearsed the story many times. It wasn't suspicious. There were plenty of children around without parents. It was only natural to want to give one a good home, especially when her mother was the tyrant who led the enemy's war effort. If you don't mind, I'll take my answers from the girl, 
Kentana said directly, without malice or a hint of condescension in his voice. He drew a chair from the bedside and sat in it squarely across from Riona. Well? You're listening to Wingtorn. Today's episode is brought to you by Stars in Her Eyes, book one of the Sparkstone Saga. Superpowered teens fight a secret alien invasion in Alberta, Canada, in this fast-paced adventure by author Claire C. Marshall. Read the prologue in the first three chapters for free at sparkstonesaga.com. That's sparkstonesaga.com. And now, Wingtorn continues. Riona blinked and clasped her hands in front of her sweetly. Fingal took me from the capital on Liberation Day. Took you? An interesting choice of words. Yes, Riona replied. Did he take you from someone? Kentana continued, holding up a preemptive cautionary hand to both Brendan and Fingal. Emma is dead. Riona told him. There was a bit of coldness and distance in her tone, as if she too had been practicing her story. The islander leaned back in the chair and crossed his legs. Fingal noted the soles of his shoes, not a spot of dirt on them, as if they were brand new. I see. But Kentina continued to stare at the young half-fay expectantly. She died. In the capital, in a fire, Riona continued. She shifted her weight to her heels and inadvertently spun in place, nearly tumbling into the bed. She was losing her patience and interest. Everyone in the capital died, so Fingal took me in, and now he protects me. I'm sorry to hear of your family, Kentana said, with a barest hint of sympathy in his voice. My mother also perished in the war. My brothers, too. She lifted her large eyes to him and slapped her feet on the floor. Were they soldiers? No, Milanog. They were healers and provisioners. They drowned at sea. Her eyes widened further as she tried out the word in her mouth without vocalizing. Drowned. Then, to Brandon and Fingal, Kentina said, I'll admit I asked my contacts about both of you to confirm your identities. The name Morpleth. He pointed a long finger at Fingal. That's not a human name, is it? He said this plainly, not an accusation, though Fingal couldn't take it any other way. I grew up in Downtrodden Lane, Fingal replied shortly, as if this answered the question. Which it should have, if Kentana was as knowledgeable as he seemed about the continent's capital politics. Kentana nodded. Just acceptance, no judgment or pity to be seen on his lined face. 
I take it that you're telling me you didn't have a family name and gave yourself one to satisfy some Hallismarth bureaucrat. Fingal was taken aback. Usually, when confronted about his family name, he was berated with a litany of questions. Something like that, he admitted. A half-truth was better than an outright lie. Have you taken his name, then? Kentina asked Riona. She looked up at Fingal and then shrugged. He hoped no one else could hear the rustling of her wings. Does that matter? Fingal asked defensively. Names are significant to us islanders, Kentina replied somewhat apologetically. We carry our ancestors with us, the good ones and the bad ones. I'm sure you realize that Kentina is only a name of convenience for business and bureaucracy, as is Dunma. I meant no offense, purely curious about the etymology of the name, and if you knew it, I am only trying to determine if I can place my trust in you, and if your families have ever dealt with mine in a way I am not already aware. He nodded to Brendan respectfully. My family has intermarried with the Dunmark clan over the centuries. As your sister is now part of the Dunmark clan, so is Brendan. I honor that connection, Brendan Dor. I am happy to extend my hospitality to you and your friend. Thank you, Brendan said failing to contain his excitement. We'd happily accept any help you can offer us, and employment, and anything, really. Fingal felt embarrassed and scoffed. He couldn't hold back any longer. So names are important, but what about deeds and quality of character? Those are important, certainly. That is why you are here. My name is just a name. Fingal said dismissively, though perhaps too dismissively. Rash words to someone honoring a sacrifice no one would remember long, long ago. Cantina ambled to the entrance and turned the knob, allowing the door to swing listlessly open. Avon, will you bring the item now? Aphrin reappeared with a single hanger adorned with the dress from the shop window Riona had admired earlier. She squealed as she hopped towards it, nearly jumping so high as to take flight. Fingal hovered by her, ready to clamp down on her shoulders if needed. For me? You got it for me? She asked Cantona excitedly. Then, to Fingal, Can I keep it? Fingal was speechless. This is r really too much. Nonsense, Kentina said dismissively. I'll leave it with you to sort out, and you can let me know how it fits. We'll have it adjusted accordingly. Can I wear it tonight? To dinner? Riona asked. She was already inspecting it from all angles, tangling up the fabric no matter how much Aphrin tried to prevent her grubby fingers from ruining the pleats. Fingal was inspecting it too. 
It appeared to cover her back, but... No, you're not going to dinner, Fingal said, taking the dress from Afrin gently. He held it up to the girl. Eyeballing it quickly, he concluded it would fit. He would have to learn how to measure her body. Perhaps Afrin would teach him if the young man knew how. You'll eat in your room and keep out of trouble. That's not something I can argue with, Kentina agreed diplomatically. While the boy we saw today seemed innocent, I assure you the Fae coming to dine tonight are quite dangerous. Though you can wear the dress whenever you'd like. Now, if you wish. Oh, yes, Riona exclaimed. She carefully took the hanger and did her best not to drag the dress on the floor as she spread it across the bed. I'm not afraid of dangerous Fay. I can take care of myself, and so can Fingal. And Brandon. She seemed less certain of Brandon's capabilities. Kentina, Afrin, and Fingal chuckled as Brandon feigned offense. Hey! It's true, she insisted. She shook the fabric in Fingal's direction. Help me don this. Fingal took the dress again, running his fingers through the silk. It was the softest thing he'd ever held. He spread it gingerly again on the bedspread, afraid it would melt in his hands. I'll leave you be, Kentina said, and he and Afrin exited the guest chamber. listening to Wingtorn. This episode was written, performed, and produced by the author, Claire C. Marshall. The Wingtorn theme music was composed by Cloud Road Music, and additional music is by Irene Chan. For sponsorship or advertising inquiries, or to learn more about my books, please visit wingtorn.com.